When I look back on my life, I think running has been one of the best teachers for me with regard to self-efficacy, you know, the confidence to, to say to yourself, I can figure that out. I can do that. I'll, you know, I'm going to make mistakes and it's probably not going to be very good at the beginning, but I'll figure it out. Same thing with running, you know, like I, at a certain point, I was like, I've never run a sub five minute mile, but I'll get there. I'll figure it out. I'm sure it'll happen. Welcome to For the Long Run, the podcast exploring the why behind what keeps runners running long, strong, and motivated. I'm your host, Jonathan Levitt. Through personal and professional connections in the running world, I have the privilege of getting to know some amazing athletes. I've always been fascinated by the psychological aspects of running and what helps people to achieve success, however they define it. And this podcast is aimed at exploring this and much more. I hope you enjoy. We are proud to share that this episode is sponsored by our friends over at Puma. Here at For the Long Run Podcast, we're fans of Puma and have been really impressed with their efforts to support and foster the running community. We're excited to partner with a brand that has such a rich history in sports and that cares deeply about the running community. Puma believes that sometimes all it takes is a spark to make a change, to get motivated, or to try something new or hard. And we couldn't agree more. All we need is that small spark and the actions will follow to get us there. With that small flicker, anything is possible. Puma Running Shoes offers supreme cushioning, superior propulsion, comfort, and lightweight technology. I've been running in the DV8 Nitro first mile, and I love how it has a focus on sustainability. The shoe feels amazing, and even better, it's in collaboration with First Mile. It's made from at least 20% recycled material, as First Mile's focus is on cutting down plastic waste in production and in the supply chain by finding innovative ways to get recycled plastic into products like Puma Running Shoes. Check out a pair for yourself at puma.com and use the code FORTHELONGRUN for 20% off any Puma Run or Train products. When you support Puma, you support me and the rest of the For the Long Run podcast team. Thanks again to Puma for sponsoring us. Boulder Boulder. Wow, I get excited just saying it. If you're not familiar with the Boulder Boulder 10K that happens here in Boulder every Memorial Day, it's one of the most fun races out there. Runners World named it America's all-time best 10K and for good reason. This race is for everybody. It's part race, run, walk, spectacle, tribute, and community celebration. In order to get even more psyched for this upcoming race, we are hosting some 5Ks here in Boulder for folks to grab a time to get into a preferred wave. Regardless of if you want to start in the A groups, just want to move up from last year's wave, or have never run in the race before, come on out and join us in Boulder for a fun community 5K to come together and get pumped for the Boulder Boulder extravaganza. The first 31 waves are seated entry, and there are plenty more waves for all paces after that. Join us on Saturday, May 13th for our last 5K time trial ahead of Boulder Boulder at the left-hand trailhead at 9 a.m. to get your time trial in. We'll be giving away some gear from brand partners as well, so you're not going to want to miss it. Go to the link in our show notes to sign up. Thank you to Microcosm Coaching for supporting the podcast this month. We're excited to be working with the team at Microcosm Coaching who are disrupting the never-enough culture in running by guiding athletes towards mastery, joy, and independence in the training process. Microcosm Coaching is a human-first coaching organization that knows the best athletes don't go at it alone. That's why Microcosm offers a diverse team of coaches with an expertise in nutrition, mental health, and performance that will help sustain your love for running long-term. Find your community at microcosm-coaching.com and tell them that the team at FTLR sent you. Thank you to the team at Microcosm for their continued support of our show and the greater community.
we live? We're live. We've been live. We've been live for for like uh, the last three minutes here. Oh boy! So we have Jason Fitzgerald of Strength Running here in the in the For the Long Run podcast studio. We've been talking about this for a long time. Jason, thanks for taking some time to chat. Oh, this is so fun. <laughs> uh, you texted me a picture of the studio uh, like a week or two ago, and now I'm here, and it's so much better than I thought. This is awesome. And we only smell quite a lot because we just ran the for the short run uh, 5K <laughs> brought to you by Boulder Boulder. Yeah, thank you, Boulder Boulder. I'm glad this is only audio and visual. Yeah, there's no scratch and sniff here. <laughs> we didn't we didn't shower beforehand. We did eat breakfast at the Scratch Cafe, and you had a, a lovely pork burrito. It was amazing. My first time at the Scratch Labs Cafe, and it's like who's who in Boulder just sitting there. It's amazing. It really is. Um, before we dive too far into talking about food, I guess I'm, I'm ready for lunch. Um, who is Jason? Who is Jason? I don't know. Who is Jason? Jason is, I think, first and foremost, someone who is, has been a runner for his entire life. You know, I've been running since I was like 14 years old and, you know, I had a good, I had a good, like, 17 years of being like super competitive. Uh, in the last couple of years, I haven't been very competitive with my training. And, and that's been a little bit of an identity shock to me because for, for most of my life that I remember, I always wanted to be one of the fast guys. And so for me, I've had to sort of remold how I think of myself as a runner and you know, I've, I've said it publicly and, and you know, and part of our little 5Ks that we've been doing recently is, is me getting back into it and having a bit of a comeback. Um, and I've had some interruptions, but nevertheless, I think I'm, I'm just a runner, man. I love running. I love hanging out with runners. I love talking running, even though it's, it's not all of who I am. You know, I'm a dad. I have three kids and uh, I got divorced last year, which was a, a trying year. And shout out to you, John, you were a really great friend in, in 2022 and I had some uh, tough times, but yeah, that's, that's, I guess who I am in a nutshell. That's a tough question, man. <laughs> I love asking this question. The reason I started asking this question is because I was sick of writing intros and I wanted people to describe themselves instead of me trying to describe them. And it became super interesting how people like hearing how people think about themselves. Cause I talked to a bunch of pro athletes and half of them will answer that as I'm a pro runner who focuses on the 800 or on the 100 mile or whatever. And that's how they answer the question. And then other people will answer like similar to how you answered where it's like, it's like a two minute answer, three minute answer. Sometimes it's been a five minute answer. And, and sometimes people are just like, I really don't know how to describe myself. And I talked with Megan Roche summer 2021 about identity and like how we define ourselves and defining ourselves as runners versus people who run. Um, really enjoyed that conversation with her um, on the podcast. It's also in these chairs. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's just a, a less less official setup. But I, I find it fascinating, again, how people answer that question. And then the whole identity aspect, like you're a, what, 242 marathon PR person? 239. 239. Yeah. I get it wrong every time. So that's fast. That's objectively fast. And how many years ago was that? That was in 2011. That was the 2011 Philadelphia Marathon. So that was so, 100 years ago. Yeah, I am, I am old. 
I am going to be 40 this year. So yeah, I mean, it, it is actually a really interesting question because, you know, I'm on a running podcast. So I'm going to skew my answer towards running oriented aspects of, of who I am. But yeah, I mean, there are some people who know me who who only know a little bit of me as a runner and I'm totally different things to them. So like your kids. Yeah, my kids, you know, my, my kids have been to races where, where I've run and, you know, I've gone, they always see me going running, you know, like they see me in my running clothes and they're like, oh, dad, are you going for a run? So they, they get it. But I don't think they fully understand like the depths to which I have immersed myself in the running community. I mean, you're a huge nerd. <laughs> Big time running dork over here. Yeah. You know what? It was funny. I found a speech to text note in my phone from my seven-year-old. She must have recorded this without me knowing. And most of it didn't make sense. But the first sentence was like, blah, blah, blah. My name is dad and I'm going to be doing running and blah, blah, blah. So she was like pretending to be me on a podcast, <laughs> just like talking about running stuff. <laughs> so you host your own podcast. And how long have you been doing that? Also a hundred years. Uh, I started the strength running podcast in 1947. The fall, Yes. Before there were microphones. Uh, no, it was the fall of 2016. And it's funny. I, I thought I was like, late to the game yeah. in the fall of 2016. You know, oh, everyone's starting a podcast. I'm never going to be able to make a, a dent in that space. Lindsay just, Heinen and Allie Feller had put out 400 episodes by then. Yeah. A Trail Runner Nation was already at like episode 200 at that point. Like there were so many really good established running podcasts at that time. But um, oh, I'm glad I did it. Look at us now. Look at us now. We're, we're in Boulder post run. <laughs> talking, running on a podcast. We are so Boulder average. We are so Boulder average. Well, I have a shoe sponsor, so I guess that's, that's, that's Boulder average. Yeah. Um, yeah, I have, I have not a shoe sponsor, but I have a sunglasses sponsor. So <laughs> very gooder. <laughs> Although I learned from Steven that, um, their CEO that, uh, gooder is never an adjective. It's always a pronoun. It's always a pronoun. Yep. Gooder. Interesting. Okay. Never an adjective. Never, Can I use it as an adjective though sometimes? Not officially. No. Not 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 on official gooder behavior. Okay. Okay. <laughs> um okay, so so the strength running podcast. You created the podcast because why? I wanted to explore a new medium. And and since doing it, I have found that the podcast is actually the most fun I have in my entire business. You know, like I, I kind of joke around and say, I feel like I have like five part-time jobs instead of one full-time job. But the podcast aspect of what I do, I think is, is the most rewarding because I get to connect with so many different types of people in the community. And it's been really great because I, I can, you know, talk to everyday runners and do coaching calls. And, uh, you know, my podcast is one where I love to talk to like the support staff that would surround a pro runner. So I love talking to physical therapists and sports psychologists and strength coaches and running coaches and elite athletes, and really just try to tease apart how they structure things uh, in their domain of expertise. And for me, it's because I'm such a running nerd, I love listening to all that stuff and just hearing about the training process and 
thinking about optimization and best practices and fundamentals. And so for me, it was very much an opportunity to connect, to learn. You know, I feel like it's some of the best professional development that I've had as a running coach. And yeah, it's just been, I think, one of the more rewarding things I've ever done in my business. But, you know, very much like when, when I first started strength running in 2010, it was just a blog. And I never wanted to write a blog. I actually never wanted to start a podcast, but I'm glad I had some people around me at the time that were like, hey, this is actually a really good idea. Just do 10 episodes, you know, see how you like it. And I felt like once I got started, I just got so not obsessed with it, but I, I so interested in the craft itself. And uh, it's been an amazingly rewarding experience since then. So 2016, you launched it. It's 2023 now. Everyone seems to have a podcast these days. I'm sure people who are listening have five podcasts that they listen to on a regular basis. What what has it been like with the evolution of this medium and seeing, I mean, I launched mine in 2019, which seemed late, but then there are like hundreds of new podcasts in the running space since then, or since the pandemic. Um, talk to me about what it's felt like to, again, you felt like it was late, yeah. but that was like wave two. I was wave three. What, what is it like seeing the growth in this medium? I mean, first and foremost is I think it's, it's great. I love to see more and more running podcasts out there because, you know, they're all so unique and they all tackle different aspects of running and training and the running community and, and different questions that we all have about the sport. So, you know, on the one hand, I think it's just broadening the, the available options for listeners. You know, like my podcast is very training oriented. It's very different than yours. That has nothing to do with like, which one's better, you right. know, like, I think there's all, uh, there's opportunity for all these different kinds of podcasts and kinds of hosts and, and different types of conversations. And I've really enjoyed seeing the diversity of, of running podcasts out there. Um, you know, you know, from, from like a business perspective and from, you know, just my personality, like I'm a competitive guy, you know, I've always, always very competitive with my running and, you know, with my business, I'm competitive too. Like I have a podcast, there's other running podcasts. I would love to be the number one running podcast out there, period. I'm not, but seeing all these other podcasts- but You're big in Brazil, I hear. <laughs> yeah, Australia too. Um, but seeing all these other podcasts come onto the scene, I think has been wonderful for competition. And you know that's, that's just gonna be good for everyone because it's gonna require all of us to step up our game, to have better conversations, to have better studios and, and great production value. And so I think it's, it's one of those things where a rising tide lifts all boats and we can, we can all thrive and grow together as podcasters. At the same time, we're giving the running community a, a better product. So it's wonderful. Fall of 2018, I'm listening to Billy Yang and Mario Frioli talk about this boom of podcasting. This is December of 2018, early December. And they said that exact same thing. Rising tide lifts all ships. Iron sharpens iron. We're better for it. In that moment, I said, I had been thinking about wanting to start a podcast. And I was like, screw it. I'm going to do it. I don't know anything about this. 
I had a brief conversation with Eric Schranz of Ultra Runner Podcast, who had put out hundreds uh, at that point. And he was like, buy these two mics, get a digital recorder. Here's what it is. And here's some software. And I was on my way. And I was like, I'm, I'm just going to figure it out. And again, that was January of 2019. And so it's wild to see, um, to see it grow since then. And similar to you, like I am a super competitive person and I, I look at those charts all the time and I'm like, I don't know, fifth to 15th on a regular basis. And for me, it's hard. Cause I'm like, I've been doing this for so long now, four years, and I see new podcasts popping up and skyrocket. And I'm like, well, it's like a tough game in that once you start looking at the charts, you can't stop looking at the charts. <laughs> and my purpose with the podcast is not to be number one. It's to like have awesome conversations, but it's just hard to quantify like what is an, what is an awesome conversation? It's very subjective. Um, I, so I find myself having a hard time with the competitive, like how competitive I am in this space. So I can imagine that you're also very competitive and you've been doing it longer. Yeah. And it's interesting too, because, you know, we all want to have great content on our podcast, but because our podcasts are all so different, it's hard to listen to another podcast in the space, whether it's, you know, Ali on the Run or Running Explained or, you know, my podcast and, and like try to tease out like, what are, what are the fundamental best practices here in podcasting that's going to help me grow? Because at the end of the day, they're just totally different types of podcasts. So I don't think you should necessarily, you know, compare yourself too much, even though it's so hard to, like you said, once you start right. looking at those charts, it's really hard to look away from them. But yeah, podcasting is, is also a medium that it doesn't have a lot of growth or virality built into it. You know, it's great for maintaining an existing audience, but it's hard to grow with podcasting. It's almost like, you know, I, I almost felt like I cheated a little bit when I first started my podcast because I had other audiences. You know, I had somewhat sizable social media audiences. I had a, a fairly big email list uh, and a blog audience at Strength Running. So I felt like when I first started my podcast, I was able to distribute it to a fair number of people and get my my download numbers up to a, a you know what I thought at the time was a was a pretty good level. So yeah, it's just it's so interesting, right? Like you sort of have to create content for the platform that you're focusing on, and podcasting is not one where you know oh, this episode's going to be super popular and you're going to triple the number of downloads that you right. typically get for it. Like that's almost unheard of for any podcast too. And I know we listen to some, some other podcasts, uh, both of us do. And, you know, it's interesting hearing like business people talk about this because- My First Million. Yeah, My First Million. It's a great, a great show about entrepreneurship. And they say the same thing. Like they kind of see the steady growth and, you know, some popular guests will have a, a little bit of a yep. spike, but you... Those people don't stick around. Generally. Yeah. And at least in my experience, I haven't had an experience where I've had a big name guest on the podcast and then that is automatically a super popular episode. You know, I've done episodes where it's just 20 minutes myself talking about a single issue. And that ends up being way more popular than you know, having a, an Olympian or, you know, practically a household name on your show when you would think it would. 
But yeah, it's interesting. We're always learning, right? Totally. Yeah. It's been fascinating. And then the aspect of being able to work with brands and bring cool brands to your audience. Like we've, we've worked in my day job, I work at Inside Tracker and we've been a sponsor of yours for, I don't know, 50 years. <laughs> How old am I, John? <laughs> What's your inner age? Um, and it's, it's cool to like be able to support people who are doing cool things and, and see a return on the brand side. Talking about how you work with brands, how you approach brands. And, and I have a feeling that a lot of people that are tuning into this are tuning in with the expectation of like hearing some of the nuts and bolts of how, how it all works and like how you can be a full-time podcaster and person who puts out content um, and like have that support your life. So I think people are probably curious to hear that kind of thing. Yeah, no, I'm happy to talk about that. Um, you know, uh, let me start with the brand side of things. I think, um, you know, at the beginning, I, I didn't really have any sponsors for the podcast. It was just another way for me to communicate to an audience of runners. Uh, and I think it's a great way to have a more intimate relationship with your audience because you're you're really there with them when they're going on a run, they're driving in the car, they're folding laundry. I'm just naming the time. They're running so at um at at Dowdy Draw from Flatirons Vista and listening to your podcast with mine on deck. <laughs> yeah, that was that was so funny. <laughs> um yeah, so you know, for me, I didn't work with brands for a while, but then I started to and I admittedly had no idea what I was doing. And, you know, I will work with brands either because I've approached them because it's a company that I love, that I've used and I, and I really trust, or it's a brand that they've gotten in touch with me. Um, but I, I think it's definitely worth saying that I probably reject 80% of the pitches that come through my inbox. And, and I'm sure you're the same way where, you know, your inbound starts getting kind of ridiculous with people asking to promote you on their, on your podcast and like five apparel brands a week. Oh yeah. Yeah. I there mean, are I'm, so many sunglasses companies out there. So many sunglasses companies, so many massage gun companies, foam roller companies. And my whole philosophy is number one, I am only going to partner with a company that I think is going to be helpful to runners. That's like my number one question that I ask myself. But just to runners, like what about the other aspects of their life? the non-running parts? Well, so my podcast does focus more on the training. So I think my, my sponsors, it's, it's much more of a congruent fit than uh, something that would be a little bit more tangential. But I've also had conversations with you uh, about BetterHelp, which is, which is a therapy service. I would partner with them in a second because... Oh yeah, I still need to send that intro. <laughs> <laughs> I, I forgot about that. But yeah, like I, I think... Um, you know, I mentioned I went through a divorce last year. I've been going to therapy now for almost two years and having never gone to therapy before, I'm now such a big believer in that kind of work and how it can really help you with um, not only your interpersonal, you know, issues and, and communication skills, but it can help you as a runner, you know, like getting more comfortable in your own skin and, and being more comfortable um, in uncomfortable situations, uh, being more okay with not being perfect. You know, there's a lot of different ways in which we can talk about things. So you're right. It's not just running and training things, but fundamentally that's sort of the prism through which I look at a brand partnership. 
Uh, and then, of course, you know the the second question is 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 this is this a, a company that I believe in that is trusted that has a good reputation that uh, I think is going to be a good fit for my audience and in my brand with strength running. So, yeah, I first and foremost want to make sure that there's that good sort of brand fit between us and you know the runners in my audience. Um, and then from there, you know, in terms of like how you do this full time, you know, I, I joked around earlier about how I think I have like five part-time jobs instead of one full-time job. Uh, it's always good to have a couple things going on at the same time, because if I was just relying on sponsorship money from, from these different companies, I wouldn't be able to do it full-time. And so it's, it's a way in which to add an additional revenue stream to your business that makes it so much more sustainable so that you can invest in a, a, Bitcoin. An a Bitcoin, yeah. <laughs> Ethereum. Yeah, like it's, it's something where, you know, if you can get the economics of it to work, you can then level up the content, you can level up your preparation for it, you can spend more time on it. Uh, so it is it is a great way to invest in the podcast itself, which I think is 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 a fun way of investing in your audience as well. Um, but yeah, like I would say, like my primary business isn't really being a podcast host. I would say it's it's being a coach and creating training programs for athletes. That you know the podcast helps helps with that as well. So it's like yeah, I have social media, I have the podcast, I have my YouTube channel. And they all sort of work in harmony to, to all do the same thing. You know, I basically just want to help runners make better decisions about their training so we can elevate their performances, we can reduce their injury risk, and, and just give them a better mindset about the sport. Where does your motivation come from with that as your base for how you do anything? My motivation for like strength running itself? Yeah, I mean... Uh, Besides having three kids to support, uh, <laughs> which is an important one, I am doing something I absolutely love. I am doing something that I'm so interested in. And it's almost like I don't really need too much motivation. I don't need motivation to, to post what I think I know about running to help other runners. Because I am so, I am so motivated by the feedback and results of my clients and, and any runner who's, you know, invested in a training program or, or even just listens to my podcast, you know, I'll probably get on average one or two individual pieces of feedback a day. And it lifts me up to no degree um, just to be able to know you're having that kind of an impact in the running community, I feel like is the most fulfilling, gratifying satisfaction that I could get. Uh, and, you know I, know, I know I've said this before, joking around about, you know, I get more excited about my runners running a PR than anything I do in my running now. And I'm pretty far removed from having run a PR. I think my, my last PR might've been 2011, you know, so I haven't run a, a personal best in a long time. You know, I'm, I'm pretty comfortable saying, you know, my competitive days are over. The only other PR I might have is an ultra. <laughs> We'll put a pin on that and come back to it. But I've seen you racing and I think there's still some competitive juices in there. Yeah. Even when I don't want to race, <laughs> like, like earlier today, I was like, oh, my Achilles, you know, like, uh, I shouldn't race. 
And yeah, like I negative split that 5K pretty, pretty hard. After Drop I, my ass. <laughs> I did. I didn't want to say it <laughs> on your podcast. <laughs> Jason and I have been doing this 5K since February. You've been to two or three of them now? I've only been to two. Jason wore trail shoes in one of them. It's a, it's a road 5K. I was carrying a GoPro um, and too. carrying a GoPro and I turn around and I hear footsteps and I'm like, Oh, that can't be Jason with his, with his <laughs> Brooks catamounts chasing me down with a GoPro in his hand. And it was, and we pushed really, really hard until the, until the end. I think we cracked six for that last mile. We did. Yeah, we did. We ran, we cracked 19, I believe. Yeah, like I, I got 1850, 18, I think. Yeah. I was slower today because- I was 1846 I, on that day, so, or 43. So I think I beat you by about five seconds. Nice work. <laughs> nice. You beat me by 20 seconds today. Yeah. Yeah, I, sh- I shouldn't have not done a warm up beforehand. You know, we did a dynamic warm up. You know, I did some lunges and a bunch of that kind of stuff, but I didn't do any running beforehand. So yep. the opening mile in 628 or 629 or whatever was was didn't feel super smooth. I had my warm up to the toilet and back, so it was a it was a shuffly point eight on the way out and a much more comfortable point eight on, on the return. Well, that's that's great. I mean, you got to you did your warm up and you you've actually been getting a little bit slower race to race to race, yes, haven't you? Yeah, yeah. But my that's first. okay. You've already gotten your your seed time, so you have almost nothing left to prove. That's true, but my time today was a minute slower than what I ran in January. So I've got to I've got to turn that around. But I've been taking a lot of time off from structured training. I haven't had I haven't been on like a plan in probably four weeks now, and I'm running 20 miles a week here, 45 miles a week there. This week will probably be like 35 ish, um, and I just I'm just like running hard when I want to, and I didn't think I was going to run hard today, and I did, and. I, my first mile was 612 and then I ran two 627s and then sub six for the last little split. But that was positive splits for positive people as I captioned the Strava. When I was when I was running behind you today and I was running up on you, I was thinking to myself, why are you doing this? You you don't like need to be running hard right now. You're not really conditioned to be running hard right now. But you know what? Like this is it. This is like these little moments in life. And, and I was like, you know, you, you start doing like the track math in your head. Like, okay, I have 1,200 meters to go. Yeah. I have 1,100 meters to go. And you're doing this countdown. And I, I remember thinking to myself earlier today, stop that. You are, you, you've got like three minutes to just enjoy this unique discomfort that I used to experience all the time. And now that I'm, you know, not racing as much or, or doing these hard workouts, you don't, you don't really get into that really interesting zone of full body discomfort that, that I miss. And that I think is so special because it, it takes us out of the day to day. You don't experience that. It's so unique. And I think the older I get, the more I realize that is a gift that to be able to push yourself like that, to be able to just kind of just sit in that, I don't want to say unknown. Yeah. It's an unknown. Like, am I going to slow down? Am I, you know, is something going to happen where, you know, I'm not going to race very well, but that's what makes it exciting. And it's so rewarding. 2019, it's May, 2019. I'm having a little pre-marathon debrief with Shalane and she's telling me, I feel most alive when I'm racing. 
And that's that's the perfect explanation from someone like who better to explain it than Shalane. Yeah. And I had the same feeling at the beginning. I, I went into today, I was like, yeah, I'm going to jog. I almost didn't put on my fast shoes because I was like, yeah, I'm just going to jog it out and like pay someone who, that's why I asked at the, in the parking lot, I was like, is anyone aiming for a time? And if someone had said like, yeah, I want to break 2050 to get in the third wave, I would have been like, yep, sign me up. And that would have been a minute slower than what I ended up running today. And I was really hoping that somebody would take me up on that offer to run like a comfortably fast pace. Well, that didn't happen. And in the first strides, I was like, okay, I guess I'm going hard. (laughs) And it's so true. Like where else in life do you have 20 minutes to just disconnect from every single other thing and just focus on one foot in front of the other? as fast as you can for a sustainably long period. And I think a 5K is the absolute perfect distance because it's long enough that like halfway there, there's still a lot of time left at at whatever effort it is, at 5K effort. <laughs> um, but it's it's not long enough that you're going slow. Yeah. And so you're moving quickly. And to me, it's like I've run, I've run 5Ks, I've run 10Ks, which is basically a 5K, just longer, <laughs> same effort, but longer. Um, and half marathons and marathons and beyond. And like, I just keep coming back to the 5K. And there's just something about it and something about that 20 minute block or whatever, 18 minute block of intense discomfort and what a privilege it is to be able to push hard. I love the 5K. You know, I... I do feel like there's this big, in the running community right now, there is this big, like this mystique around the marathon. You know, everyone loves the marathon. You know, I'm, I'm a coach. Most of the people I train are uh, marathoners or, or half marathoners. But I do feel like there's something so special about those middle distance events. And, you know, my background is a cross country and, and track guy and, you know, I've raced everything from the 200 meters on up to the 50K ultra, which I didn't end up finishing because of a, an injury. Um, but I think you're right. There's something really special about the 5K because anything shorter and it's like, it's it's so fast and, and difficult. The race distance that scares me the most, 3000 meters. It is short enough where the first mile is going to be not very much slower than your mile PR. And then you have 1400 meters to hang on for dear life. And it is a terrifying event in my brain. But the 5K is like just a step beyond that where you don't have to really boil the frog so hot. Um, But you're absolutely right that there's something special about that that discomfort. And, And on the cool down today, my Achilles was like a little unhappy with me because I probably shouldn't have, you know, run a 609 pace 5K with no warm up. You know what I was thinking to myself? I was just like, I just like to run fast. Yeah. I just like to feel that. Feel I just, something. I, yeah. It's like, God, I just need to go run until I hurt to feel alive. <laughs> <laughs> I want to feel some of that because it's 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 so different from what we get on a day-to-day basis yeah. that it's I need it. I need it. I need it. So summer of 2014, I read an article from Lauren Fleshman, Five Reasons the 5K Freaking Rocks. I think it was like a runner's world I remember article. that. I yeah. remember that article. And I read the article. I was on an airplane. I was like, I'm going to train for a 5K. 
And when people would ask me, I had run one marathon at that point. And when people would ask me what I was training for, I wouldn't just say a 5K, I'd say a fast 5K. And I felt the need to qualify that I was training for a fast 5K, not just like, oh, couch to 5K. Yeah. And it's fascinating, like the 5K gets no love. Make 5K cool again. I think there's this mentality that if you can run the distance, you don't really need to train for it. Because, you know, the marathon is a distance where you can't really fake your way through 26.2 miles. There is no couch to marathon right. program. Because I did that. <laughs> it, it not, not advised. No. Well, I was 23 <laughs> or 24. Yeah, because it's, it's just like, it's a very difficult proposition right. to basically go from, I'm not a runner to, I'm going to run 26 miles in five months. Like that is very, very difficult. Adaptations just take longer than that. Um, but you could get ready for a 5K in like, Three weeks. Yeah, like it doesn't take very long for you to get to the point where you can finish a 5K without any walking for most people. But of course, you know, we're talking about the sport of running. The sport of running is finishing a given distance as fast as you can. And as soon as you are trying to run a short distance really fast, it becomes much more technical. So I do think the shorter the race, the more technical it is. And it becomes almost more important to train for a fast, short race than it is to train for a fast, long race. And I was having a conversation with uh, a former college teammate of mine. He was a New England Division III 10K champ. He's a 225 marathoner. Like he's, he's really talented. And, and we were sort of joking around about how, you know, we, I think we were around 30, early 30s at the time. Um, so, so like 50 years ago <laughs> for me, John. And we were saying- I wasn't going to say it, but- <laughs> It's almost last, easier. Last century. <laughs> Late 19th century. It's almost easier to train for a marathon than it is for like the mile or the 5K because the workouts that are required are so challenging. And so, yeah, there's almost this like mentality of like the marathon is, is a little bit more volume oriented. It's easier just to run a lot than it is to do like technical fast workouts. But nevertheless... If you can do that, run a fast 5K, that's just as impressive in my mind as a fast any other distance, whether right. it's 800 meters or 100 miles. Agreed. If you've been enjoying this podcast and can spare 90 seconds of your time today, can you do me a favor? Can you pop over to Apple Podcasts and leave a review? It helps other people find and enjoy the podcast too. Thanks so much. This episode of For the Long Run Podcast is sponsored by Puma. For 75 years, Puma has been pushing sports and culture forward with innovative design and development. We are honored to have Puma supporting this show and supporting the running community at large. My greatest compliment for running shoe is, I didn't think about it once. The purpose of having the right gear is to enable you to do anything you want out there. When I'm running in Puma's Deviate Nitro first mile, all I'm thinking about is literally anything else. I think about the community. I think about why trying hard things is so rewarding. I think about how cute Alfie is. And I think about how much I love tacos, and I think about the big things like how I want to leave each place I inhabit better than I found it. You know what I'm not thinking about? What's on my feet. And that's the best thing about Puma running shoes. They're designed to help you get out there effortlessly so you don't have to worry about what's on your feet. Just need to worry about putting one foot in front of the other. Check out a pair for yourself at puma.com and use the code for the long run, all one word, for 20% off. Again, when you support Puma, you're supporting me and the rest of the podcast team. Thanks again to Puma for supporting us. Here at the For the Long Run podcast, we believe that inspired athletes are unstoppable. 
That's why we're excited to be working with the team at Microcosm Coaching. We're disrupting the never enough culture in running by guiding athletes towards mastery, joy, and independence in the training process. Microcosm Coaching is a human-first coaching organization that knows that the best athletes don't go at it alone. That's why Microcosm offers a diverse team of coaches with an expertise in nutrition, mental health, and performance that will help you sustain your love for running long-term. The Microcosm coaches and community of like-minded athletes will encourage you, strengthen your commitment, and support accountability towards your highest goals. Through breakthroughs, setbacks, and plateaus, your coach and community will guide you through the ups and downs inherent in an athletic life. Find your community at microcosm-coaching.com and tell them that the team at FTLR sent you. Thank you to the team at Microcosm for their continued support of our show and our greater running community. I want to go back to something that you sort of alluded to earlier, definitely just outright said. Um, What was your relationship with running last summer and how it helped you navigate a really challenging time in your life or did it? Yeah, it did. Um, I I would even maybe back up a little bit before the summer. Uh, I think besides like my sister and my arguably my best friend from college, you were probably the first person I like saw after my wife, my ex-wife and I separated. And, and I remember we, we met in the lower lot from Dowdy. Oh yeah. I remember this day. And, and I remember getting, you got out of the car, I got out of my car and you said, Hey, how are you? And that question used to be so difficult for me because I would think about answering it honestly. And I would just kind of start crying because I, I wasn't doing well. It was really uh, a super emotional time for me. And there was even a run I went on where I just, I couldn't keep running. I just had to stop and sort of, I, I was sitting down on a big median. I was on 17th street in Denver, Colorado. And I was just sitting in the grass in this huge median on like a busy street crying my eyes out, like unable to run. I was like, oh my God, I'm, I'm struggling right now, man. But one of the things that I think I did really well was I pretty much kept running pretty much every day with maybe only one or two days off right at the beginning. And I think it was an enormous help for all the reasons that we know that exercise is good for you. It improves your mood and all that stuff. But it just gave me a little bit of an outlet a little bit of, of something that was in my control at the time. Because I think I am someone who does sort of prefer some control. It's probably why I work for myself, you know, like <laughs> I need that. Um, but running certainly gave me the control. And it was really interesting, like the first week, um, you know, I was just running easy. I kept all my runs super short. Like I didn't have the brain space, the energy, the bandwidth for any kind of longer runs or workouts. And I, I was running like a minute per mile slower than I could and, and I, or that I normally do. And, and it was not under my control whatsoever. It was almost like I was dealing with so much stress that, you know, that was, that was like the full capability of my body at the time. And it was really eye-opening, you know, like we always say like stress is stress, but I've never been that stressed. And, and in fact, I, I took an inside tracker test uh, I would say three weeks after I was separated. And for the first time in my life, my cortisol was like way up. I was like, oh, I, I guess like 
I guess this is real. Like this is physiologically <laughs> yeah, it's impacting real. Yeah. me, you know? And um, nevertheless, uh, you know, I, I, I give a huge credit to running, you know, like I, I don't really like that phrase, running is my therapy because running is not therapy. Therapy is therapy, but it is a part of a really healthy approach to, to dealing with, you know, all the things that are stressful in life that we all have to deal with. You know, hopefully most people don't have to deal with, uh, you know, a, a marriage coming to an end, but, you know, it can be helpful for any kind of relationship stress or whatever stress you're going through. So for me, you know, I'm, I'm also like a super consistent runner. Like I pretty much run six or seven days a week, every week, even if those runs are pretty short and easy. Uh, but it was that level of consistency and just something to control that, that I think helped get me through it. If you could talk to the Jason of July, 2022, what would you say to him? Yeah, that's a, it's a good question because I, I also don't really feel like I'm a hundred percent through this emotional time in my life. Um, but I would say that, you know, first, first, let me just acknowledge that this was my worst fear having my marriage fall apart. And, um, I think I would go back and say, look, you're never going to like that this was the end result but it's going to get a lot better. And it is for the best. You know, I guess I would just try to out logic myself. I'm a logical guy and, and it's probably not the best thing, but um, it's hard too, because I feel like I did do a lot of things right. You know, like I, I kept running. Um, I kept going to therapy. I didn't just sort of close up, even though I was tempted to. I was really, you know, I'm someone who like, typically doesn't reach out for help. I'm, I'm pretty independent and, and that's a flaw of mine, I think. And so credit to you, you checked in with me a bunch of times and, and I was super appreciated. Um, even just, just me saying back like, hey, I'm doing great, thanks man, you know? But I would probably say like, just stay as positive as you can because it's going to get a lot better. Um, but also recognize that like this whole thing, it's, it's not a linear, improvement rate, you know, just like, you know, we can compare it to running, just like training, just like your, your progression of personal bests, it's going to come in waves and you're going to have these valleys and these peaks of, of how you're feeling. And, you know, last, you know, end of January, February, March was probably the worst couple months of my life. Uh, and then things got really good in, you know, May through August you know, I, I, I met someone, I had a, a short relationship over the summer months, uh, which was really, um, really wonderful, you know? And it sort of like showed me that, okay, your life isn't over. You're, you know, even you know, though you're a 39 year old father of three, you know, you're, you're going to get back out there. And as long as you have your Tesla charging cables with you, right? Yeah. That, that was a hell of a story, wasn't it? But yeah, I think, I think I would just say to myself, stay consistent with what you're doing. You're doing a lot of things right. And, and, and be okay with being sad because it's totally normal. And the last thing you want to do is pretend like you're not sad or just bury those feelings. Like just feel them, just feel those feelings and, and keep doing what you're doing and, and you'll feel better. I think the best advice I've ever heard was that it's not about avoiding the crashing waves, but learning how to surf. 
Yeah, I love that. I love that. I think I think I did that and and maybe explained it much less eloquently than that. Yeah. What does that mean to you though? Like what is what is learning to surf for Jason Fitzgerald? For me, it's 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 not immediately trying to escape the a feeling of sadness. You know, I think when you know, I moved out of my house and I got an apartment and you know, those were some lonely weeks, you know, all of a sudden your whole life changes and you're living in this like apartment where you don't really want to live there. Your whole life has changed. And and there were nights where I would just get so sad. I would just be like crying a lot. And I think I just allowed myself to experience that. And I allowed myself to be vulnerable in therapy and with friends and, and just to experience all of the emotions that came with, you know, uh, an 18 year relationship ending. Um, Cause you know, I, I met my, I met my ex-wife in college. We were both on the cross country team. So we're both runners, both running dorks. And, uh, you know, it was, it was really sad for me because I, I think I, I think I romanticized this idea of young love and, you know, like we were going to be those people who were married for 60 years or 65 years and, and, you know, have that kind of a, uh, a story to tell younger people. And I wanted to be able to, to tell that story. And so it was hard for me to, give up that story. But nevertheless, I think it was, is just necessary. And, uh, you you have to feel everything on your way out of it. It's almost like, uh, you know, I have three kids, so I've been to, you know, birthing classes before with my ex. And then they say the only way out of labor is through it. So you got to go through it before you can get out of it. And I thought about that. I thought about, I just need to, I need to get through this. There's no escaping it. I can't go around it. I can't go over it. I can't somehow figure this out without feeling these feelings. And yeah, I think it was just, it was almost like a, a dramatic acceptance of where I was. That's, I, I love that part. I'm just moving this, um, this camera because you're saying much better things than I'm saying. And the, uh, the other camera died. So we're, we're pointing the GoPro at you now. So feel free to say, feel free to say, say exciting and awesome things again, but we didn't capture the last, uh, last little bit of video. We got the audio, the joys of, uh, <laughs> being a studio manager and the podcaster all, all at once. I don't know what's going on with this camera and why it keeps dying. Anyways, the only way through is through, right? That's the I think that was an Under Armour slogan for for a while. Oh, was it? Um, yeah, right. Like the only way to do hard things is to do hard things, and yeah. I think that's the beauty of what running does for us. That like neither of us will ever experience childbirth, but we'll experience aspiring to. And I don't want to compare childbirth to like running a hard race, but the 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 point is we can experience hard things and experience choosing to do a hard thing and choosing to get through it like we ran a hard 5k today again not comparing a hard 5k to childbirth but the principle of it of there's no cheating it right no there's no there's no way to 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 fake your way through it you know you have to to you know like run a hard 5k you have to run 5000 meters you can't like 
skip some meters in the middle. Right. You know, yeah. that doesn't. You could have run through the field today, actually, though. But you yeah. would have probably been chased by dogs or that little pony or some cows or a, a farmer with a shotgun, which would have been. Less yeah, than I'm, I'm going to skip that. I want to. I want to keep my legs. So but, I keep running. But so so the point of it is, um, I was chatting with Abby Levine yesterday and today after she posted on Instagram about like running is silly, right? Like we've all said that before that in the grand scheme of things, it doesn't matter. But her point to me via text was like, it's not binary. Like it's, it's not that it either matters or it doesn't matter. There's some in between. And some of that in between is like, it matters in the context that it helps us be better people. And for some people, for some times, points in time, like that's everything. And what I love about the sport is like, you're able to express the exploration of like finding a better version of yourself through, I'm going to do something hard and then I'm going to get through it. And then the next time I do something hard, it's not going to be as hard. And then I'm just going to do harder things. And then it's like a sandbox, right? Like you can play in this sandbox where if you go out too fast in a 5k, like I did today, like you're not going to die. And the ramifications are like a few minutes are a little more uncomfortable than than you had bargained for. But it's like that exposure therapy of putting yourself out a little too far. I've talked with Kara about this all the time or, or a lot. And she's like, show me an athlete who takes risks and I'll show you an athlete who fails often, but also experiences breakthroughs. I love that. And that's the point, right? Try, try, try. Sometimes you succeed, but it's the trying that is the valuable part. Yeah. And, you know, I, I tend to think that, you know, I'm a, I'm a bit of a, an existentialist. I, I tend to think most things don't really matter in life, but at the same time, they're everything, you know, like running, running doesn't really matter. It, it's kind of a silly sport that we all do. And, and look how much time both of us devote to this silly little sport that we don't have to do. Nobody's making us do it. But at the same time, it is not only improving our lives in immeasurable ways, in so many different dimensions, right? It's not just your physical health, not just your mental health. I think it helps you emotionally. It connects you to a broader running community. And the, the playing in that sandbox, I think is so attractive to me because there's so many different types of sandcastles you can make. You can go after a fast time. That is its own difficult project to take on. Or you could try to run a very long distance. You know, like I've mostly focused on the speed-oriented goals during my running career. And, and I haven't really gone into like the super ultra endurance stuff, but that's a whole different type of project. And if anybody has had a long-term injury, you know, after my first marathon, I didn't run for six months. I, I tried coming back after that marathon. I got this IT band injury. Um, I was out for six months and, and I couldn't get healthy. Getting healthy and making a comeback and having that long-term patient outlook, that really patient approach to your running, that is also a totally different, difficult project that you can take on in the sport. So yeah, I think running is this, this wonderful, you know, everyone says the marathon is a microcosm of life, but the sport of, of running itself too is, is this wonderful microcosm of life where you can go after different goals and, and really challenge yourself in, in different ways that I think is so enormously 
rewarding, but also it's one of the best teachers. You know, like you said, once you start doing hard things, you then think, well, I can, I can do a podcast. I can have a studio in my house. I can do all these things. And, and it sort of broadens your horizons of possibilities. And, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. But when I look back on my life, I think running has been one of the best teachers for me with regard to self-efficacy, you know, the confidence to, to say to yourself, I can figure that out. I can do that. I'll, you know, I'm going to make mistakes and it's probably not going to be very good at the beginning, but I'll figure it out. Same thing with running, you know, like I, at a certain point, I was like, I've never run a sub five minute mile, but I'll get there. I'll figure it out. I'm sure it'll happen. And running is, is probably a great teacher like that because it's a sport that's not really a game. And it's not like, I don't want to say it's not fun, but nobody like lines up on a marathon and is like, every second of this marathon is going to be like a blast. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to be having a great time. You know, everyone, if it is run faster. Yeah. Like everyone doubts themselves or, or just, you know, has, has that negative voice on, on one shoulder that's telling them to quit or slow down. And I think it's an overcoming all those little mini obstacles, whether it's the big ones, like, you know, when you're not feeling good at mile 22 of a marathon, or if it's just, you have to wake up at five in the morning tomorrow to go for your run and it's dark and it's cold and you're not going to have time for coffee. So you're definitely going to be cranky. And that's another obstacle. And the more obstacles you overcome, just the more unstoppable you're going to become. I'm really glad we repositioned the camera on you because I really liked the last like three to five minutes there. And that's like the epitome of all of this, right? That's why it matters. That's why we can say that running matters for the last few minutes of what you were just saying. Like, again, if you think about it, it's it's a quite a silly endeavor to go outside, wear short shorts and be uncomfortable for 30 minutes to two hours a day, right? But it's those takeaways, the like, I don't know how I'm going to do that thing at work, but I'm just going to figure it out kind of a thing. Or I don't know how I'm going to get through this conversation with a loved one, but I'm just going to figure it out. And having, I don't want to say blind confidence, but like some confidence. Everything is figure outable. Everything is figure outable. That mentality, I think, is one that most runners have. Totally. Um, I want to go back to something you said earlier that we put a pin in that wanted to discuss later. So I'm pulling the pin back out on the ultra conversation. Oh boy. Yeah. <laughs> what do you want to do and why? <laughs> so I, and by the way, I don't know the answer to this question for those who are listening. So we haven't talked about this. No. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I have just, it, it, it is a little bit of like, you know, this, this personal failing of mine that I've never run an ultra. You've I've, started an ultra. I've started an ultra. Uh, I probably shouldn't have been running behind Tim Olson for like <laughs> six miles. Um, I was feeling great, but yeah, running like eight minute pace at 9,000 feet on some wild terrain was probably biting off a little more than I could chew. Okay. So Tim Olson is one of the most spectacular downhill runners I've ever seen. I ran a couple of miles with him at North Face, Massachusetts, rest in peace to that series. It was the most incredible series. Anyway, uh, we were running flat. And he was just out like jogging and having fun. And then we hit a downhill and he was like gone and gone in 60 seconds. 
Um, it's a skill. Yeah. It's, it's amazing. It's like, skill. it's like art. It, it was so beautiful to watch. I was like, can you, can I just watch this for the rest of the day? But I couldn't cause I couldn't keep up anyway. Go on. Yeah. The, the fancy footwork, it's like a dance down the trail. Um, yeah. So I've, I've, I've raced everything from 200 meters to the marathon, duathlon, triathlon, trail races, obstacle course races. You know, I, 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 I did the 3000 meter steeplechase when I was in college. I did one post collegiately. I've always been interested in just trying different types of races, but the ultra is one where, you know, I think because of my track background, I'm a little bit more like speed focused. Like that's what excites me a little bit more than just going to run for five hours. But it's still something that gnaws at me a little bit because I've never done one. And, and I think it would be really fun just to experience that side of running. You know, we were talking about the different ways in which you can challenge yourself. That's, that's one way that I've never really challenged myself, even though I've gone through the training and started the race. I feel like I've, you don't get the full experience unless you finish the race. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm hopefully on my way on this comeback right now. And, and if things go well and I develop some consistency, it might be something I think about in the future just to, to go do an ultra. Um, the 50K that I tried was back in 2015 and it was the Dirty 30 50K. Also rest in peace. Yeah. Uh, also just a very challenging 50K. Like, oh my God, it has like 7,500 feet of elevation gain. It's up at altitude. Probably not the best ultra to choose for your first one. Um, but you know, I had that everything is figure outable attitude, <laughs> even though it sort of bit me in the butt. <laughs> but that's the beauty of it, right? Yeah. At, in the, at the end of the day, who cares? Yeah. Like I don't look back on that and, and think to myself, oh, that was a failure. I'm embarrassed. You know, at the time, like it was very public. I told everyone I was going to do it. And I think when you make such a public commitment and then it doesn't work out, there's that feeling of like, oh, I, I let, I let some people down. But, you know, ultimately, I don't think anybody really cares about my running. You know, like, come on. Shout out to Laura Green. Nobody cares. (laughs) Yeah, nobody really cares. And, uh, but but for me, like, I care. And I would like to be able to say I finished an ultra. Cool. That could be fun. Yeah. I, I also have never finished an ultra race. I've started and not finished. I've, I've run the distance and it's definitely fun. And there's a lot of components of it that need the figure outing of the figure outable part. Um, we're just making up words now, but um, yeah, 10 of 10 would recommend. Um, I think my last question is something that I've been loving asking lately. Um, how do you define success? Ooh, with what? With, with running, with being a dad, with being a podcaster? Yes. Yes. <laughs> I think success is different for, for everybody. You know, you kind of, it's almost like everyone has different goals. You know, what are you actually trying to do with whatever you're doing? So success is a very flexible thing. I think it's, it's something where we can almost have our own definition of success because there are some people who want to break four hours in the marathon. That's their idea of success. Other people want to qualify for Boston. Some other people have no interest in the marathon. Um, some people just want to be able to run consistently. Uh, and I think, at least from a running perspective, this has been one of the things that's been a little bit harder for me over the years because from the time I started running as a freshman in high school, when I showed up to that first cross-country practice in mesh shorts and basketball shoes, 
you know, I, I had to get through a couple of days of why am I here? I don't want to be doing this. But once I was a little bit hooked on the sport, I just wanted to get better. Like that was my why. Why are you doing this? I want to see what I can do in this sport. And, and that's had to change over the years because, um, you know, for a while I wasn't running as much because, you know, I'd had my, my third child and things were a little challenging and then the pandemic hit. And, you know, I think a lot of people just weren't really sure what to do in the pandemic. You know, there were no races, so why train? And it was challenging. But my, my relationship to running has always, uh, or has evolved rather, uh, over the last couple of years. And so I think my definition of success has evolved. You know, I think first it was how fast can I be? No matter the distance. I didn't care if I was running 800 mile, 3K, 5K, 10K, whatever. I just wanted to, to achieve personal excellence. That was my, my big goal. And now my goal is, you know, like the comeback notwithstanding, like I want to be generally healthy. I want to model you know, healthy behaviors for my kids. And I really want to, you know, just stay involved in this sport that I love so much. And to me, that's successful. You know, even if I'm not doing anything that's like particularly impressive on Strava, you know? Um, but now I'm- Except those negative splits in a 5K. Oh yeah, yeah. Check those out today. They're pretty impressive. But, you know, now I'm I'm getting bit again by this competitive bug and- you know, I'm never going to run the 5K time that I did back in 2006. Not with that attitude. <laughs> I, 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 mean, I, need, I need the testosterone of a 22-year-old <laughs> <laughs> to be able to do that again. But nevertheless, like I, I, improvement is really interesting to me. So, you know, there was a week, a couple of weeks ago where I think we went for a long run and I had done one the Sunday before. So it ended up being a, a seven-day period where I actually ran 46 miles. And I hadn't run 46 miles in years. And I was really excited about that. Whereas, you know, that, that used to be not even a recovery week. That was, that was easier than a recovery week. I wouldn't have been impressed by that whatsoever. So your relationship with success changes over time. And, and I'm finding that... One of the amazing things about running is that that's okay. And, and you can be excited about the sport almost no matter what you're doing. You know, like I'm going to explore trails. I'm going to uh, train for a fast 5K. I'm just going to be consistent this next couple months because I'm an emotional train wreck. And I just need this like daily exercise habit to help me get through it. And so, yeah, like my definition of success has changed a lot. And so that's probably a very uh, ungratifying answer because it's it's so squishy. But that's the beauty of it, right? It's not like, oh, I want to run a 17-minute 5K, end of story. It's, yeah. it's process-oriented. It's what's powerful and impactful in the moment. And, that's, and it's what matters to you. I'm glad you said process-oriented because that, I think, is... is the least sexy goal any runner can have. But, you know, I put my coach's hat on now and I'm like, that is the goal, you know, if, if you're someone who wants to improve. Um, and even today, you know, where I'm not like super, I'm not competitive really, uh, nor am I training at a high level, I still love focusing on the process. And yeah, I, I broke some of my own rules today without 
warming up before a hard 5k. But, you know, generally speaking, I'm, I'm still doing all the little things I would normally do in training that, that I would do if I were running 85 miles in a week. Uh, but now I'm running, you know, 30 or 35 miles in a week. And I don't have to do all these things. But for me, the process is, is something that one, I think is it's, it's always in style, right? You're never going to, you're never cutting yourself short or anything by not focusing on the process. Uh, and I think it's great because now I'm thinking a lot in terms of longevity. You know, I just want to be able to run for a very long time. You know, I made a joke. We saw a bunch of like 50, 60 year old runners uh, in the parking lot today before the 5K. And, and I was like, John, look, it's, it's us in 20 years. <laughs> and like, I want to be yeah. those guys. Yeah, yeah. Like, let's go for a trail run. Who cares if we're 58? Like, I want to live. Yeah. I want to experience that. That's fun. That's exciting. My dad got into trail running when he was 60. Awesome. 58. And he's been doing it for a few years now. And he's just like out there. He's probably listening to this podcast. Hi, dad. Love you. And uh, hope you're enjoying the trails. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I think that's the whole point. And and when it when that's the focus, like execution versus outcome is important. Like, I ran a minute slower today than I ran the same exact route in January, but I'm pretty proud of how I executed. I went out like a ding dong, but I didn't, I didn't back off entirely when it would have been much easier to be like, oh, I'm going to run with the back of the pack now and just like shuffle my way in. I, I kept the gas pedal down. I was like, I'm going to see how hard I can make this. I'm, I'm going to see how hard I can push for the next 10 minutes. And that's success, right? Like I may not have been happy with the the time that I saw, but I'm quite pleased with the mental execution. And if you can nail that, the mental execution is harder than the outcome. And if you can nail the mental execution, eventually the outcome happens, right? Yeah. You know, I was just talking to a sports psychologist about this and, you know, he was saying how it's important to have performance standards for yourself. And it, it's sort of like, no matter what the outcome is going to be, it's when you are running a race or doing a workout or executing a long run, you're, you're going to put forth a certain effort at certain points, depending on the goals of that training session. And that gives you, you know, for me, I'm like, ah, yes, that gives me a sense of control. <laughs> but, it, but it also gives you a sense of like deep satisfaction yeah. that you're training well, you know, you're, you're kind of executing really well. And you know, I felt very similar today with the 5K because, you know, I didn't put forth as much effort as I did uh, about a month ago when we ran it. But I did feel a little bit better in the last mile of the race. And the last mile today was actually faster than the last mile I ran about a month ago. And so even though my overall time was slower, you know, I'm looking at this. this well, that's because you did your warm up in the first mile. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, saved myself. Um but yeah, it just it just feels good to to have that kind of a a mentality in the race where you know even though I wasn't thinking about running hard, I still can. And and I think one of the exciting things about running is the is, is the unknown, is that the ability to surprise yourself. And so you know you talked about taking risks. Uh, you were talking with um, I don't know if you mentioned Zoe earlier and and how. You know, taking risks does lead to more failures, but it also leads to more breakthroughs. And that is, I think, one of the most exciting aspects of the sport, where if you 
do commit to the process. If you put yourself in a position to potentially surprise yourself, you're going to do it sometimes, not all the time. And, and sometimes it might be a, a really bad surprise because you're going to have a terrible race. But sometimes you are going to have that breakthrough. And I can think of very few things more exciting than finishing a race and saying to yourself, holy crap, how did I do that? Like whenever someone has that kind of a major breakthrough, it is one of the most uplifting, exciting, motivating experiences you can have in the sport. Totally agree. I could go for hours on this topic. We'll have to pick it up again soon. Um, for those who don't follow you, where can we find you on your corner of the internet? Strengthrunning.com, the Strength Running Podcast, and the Strength Running YouTube channel. Consistent branding, very large corner of the internet. Check Wait, them let, out. Let me break that rule. And Jason Fitz one <laughs> on Instagram. At least it's not Jason Fitz two. <laughs> yeah, I got the one. <laughs> Jason, thanks so much. And uh, we'll definitely see you out there. Appreciate it, John. Did you like what you heard from Jason? He has a new performance training journal out now. Check it out on Amazon or the link in the show notes. That's it for today's episode. Like many long runs, it's sad when it has to end. I hope you join in next time on For the Long Run. And in the meantime, happy trails. If you enjoyed this episode, it would mean a lot to me if you shared it so that others can find it and enjoy it too. This podcast and the accompanying music has been produced by Brian Walters of Single Track Sound. For the Long Run's logo was created by Vanessa Wolf of Sterling Wolf. Show notes have been written by Ruby Wiles and is managed by Emily Holland. It takes a village. 